Tuesday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. Whether you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to call Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you make your order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show, and you'll save 15% off your online order. Once again, discount code Colby Show at checkout. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. All right, it is Tuesday. Our weekly Tuesday guest is Eric G. Eric G, may the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day, my friend. Oh, happy Star Wars Day to you, Colby. If it's okay, I'd like to start off on a serious note here because this is just something that I'd like to get the word out about, okay? So just bear with me for a second. Um, The cause I've been championing, or championing, (laughs) I can't even say the word, the cause I've been behind since uh, 1997. And I think especially on today, it is, just a, it is just a prime opportunity to let people know something that they just need to pay attention to, they need to be aware of, you know, when they're walking down the street, whatever they're doing, when they've just got some time alone, this is something that you need to think about, okay, every day, but especially today, this is something you need to ponder on, and that is this, Han shot first. Okay, no matter what you have been told in the re-releases, no no matter what you may have been told in the special editions, Han Sholo shot Guido first. Guido never shot at him. And anything else is just a lie and should be something that you do not accept as truth, even though it's been put on you since 1997 and that's 24 long years but this is something that that must be corrected and it's something that we must pass down to our children so they know so a better generation knows what the real story is not what this falsity is that uh, George (laughs) Lucas uh, keeps perpetuating you know a, a, a mistake so easy to go back and correct but yet he refuses to do it and uh for that for that, it's going to take people like you and me. You and me to just fly that banner that Han Solo was the one who pulled the trigger under the table at Mos Eisley Cantina. And he deserves to be recognized for that, okay? He's a cold-blooded killer. There's nothing wrong with that. His life was in danger. Doesn't necessarily make him a bad guy. Um, but, you know, when we go back and we look at the tape, we can clearly see um, that, that what happened with Guido's gun, that, that, was, that was put in later. Somebody was trying to doctor the image and, and really um, has just done us all a disservice, quite frankly. Yeah, look, Han, Han knew the situation and he was a man of action, right? Like, right. He, he, did what, he did what any of us would have done. You know, God, man, if you put yourself in his shoes, yeah, you're, you're pulling that trigger. Yeah. You you don't want that you don't want that dude you don't want that guy you know there he's you're staring death right in those cold big black eyes of Guido 
and you've got one decision to make, you're going to make it. You're not going to let that guy have the first shot. I mean, come on. Here's we the thing. You can be the hammer or you that. can be the nail, and Han decided to be the hammer. Yeah. And, and, and we, we, you would think after seeing the Mandalorian, bounty hunters are much better shots than what Guido was. So, I mean, this is, yeah, it's just it, it's just so hard to believe that, that this, this just keeps getting spoon-fed to generations and generations when so many of us out there know the truth. And, and if we can take the match and we can tell the real story, then maybe future generations will not have to suffer the way that we did starting back in 1997 when, when George Lucas felt the need to uh, to rewrite history that didn't need to be rewritten. I, I like it. You're coming in hot. Uh, <laughs> coming in hot on this Star Wars Day. Which, which by the way, if you, speaking of Star Wars Day, and most obviously Cantina, sometime today, do yourself a favor, YouTube all the Robot Chicken Star Wars stuff. The best skit that they do has to do with Walrus Face and that guy that he was hanging out with um, that, that Obi-Wan Kenobi ended up killing. And, you know, he kept up that, that, uh, that Walrus Face guy's arm. But there is a great skit where those two are working at, like, an architecture firm. And that one guy is doing his best to talk him into going to the bar and taking off work early. He's like, no, I got to finish my work. I got to finish my work. <laughs> and they go to the bar and then he gets fired, like, on Monday because he can't draw anymore. It's, you, you can't, it's just something you have to see, but every single robot chicken Star Wars is is worth seeing. There's some incredible punchlines for, for Star Wars nerds like myself. I saw this morning uh, on television, somebody said, you know, it's Star Wars Day, may the 4th be with you. Make sure today at some point you either watch your favorite Star Wars movie or maybe you binge a few of the movies. Um, I I can't imagine, speaking of approximately 1997, that uh, anybody's going to go back today and watch uh, those first couple? No. I, I, well, okay, are we talking Empire? Are we talking New Hope and Empire? Are we talking Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones? Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. The first, yeah, the first yeah, two. No one's good, yeah, yeah. No, no one's going back and watching those today. No. Maybe George Lucas. George Lucas probably sits at, at Skywalker Ranch and watches them and, and thinks one of two things. Either, hey, this is good. What's all the uproar, uproar for? No, I had to advance the story. You know, we, we had to set the stage for the story and, the, and then advance it. Or he's, he looks at it like game film, like Belichick going over game film and just, no, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we just cheaped it. We yeah. totally cheaped it. Could have done this better. This, this storyline is garbage. I mean, and, and I'll say it right now, after the first two, after the first two, I can't think of one that I would say is a great film or a good film, and they all have tremendous flaws. And as a Star Wars, I don't know a single Star Wars fan that was satisfied after the first two movies Lucas made. Everybody complains about there, there's something we all complain about in, in these films. Like even the last trilogy that was released, I thought the last trilogy in itself was a pretty good story right up until the end. And I really honestly feel like Ray should have died and Kylo Ren should have been the one to live. 
because his last name was Skywalker. And when it's like Rise of Skywalker, it's like, oh, okay. Well, well this makes sense. When, when she's there dying, I'm like, okay, she dies. He rises and, and restores the Jedi Order, and they completely botched that. I mean, they really did botch that, not to mention the whole weird backstory with Snoke and the Emperor and just all this weird stuff that kind of went on. But right. they had a chance to salvage it and then completely just 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 blew it. Just, just way to go, Disney. Yeah. Wait, wait, way to go. Yeah. Um, look, I'll say this. I was, I was still young enough that when Jedi came out, I really liked Jedi. So, uh, I know a lot of people feel differently. People older than me feel differently, but, uh, you know, I, I was, I was pretty young, so I had an appreciation for what Return of the Jedi brought, but the second trilogy, I hated the first two. Um, I actually liked the, the third movie overall. Uh, the one where, you know, Anakin obviously becomes Vader and, and he and Obi-Wan have the fight at the end. Like, I liked that movie on its own and I thought that was by far the best of of the, you know, the next three that were made. And then the new series, I liked the first two again, but then you get to that final one and two things really bothered me about the last one they made. Number one, the storyline basically says that everything that we fell in love with about Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Leia, like all of that was worthless. Like they didn't actually accomplish anything, right? Like they basically diminished everything that had happened up to that point by the way they told the story in, in the final episode. And it was just like, why have, why have you done this? Why have you taken this from us? Uh, And secondly, it just almost felt like a knockoff version of what happened the first time around. So it was just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing here? Exactly what it was. Like, I was, re- I was real excited. Like I'll, I'll, I was real excited when the force awakens came out. I, I thought when I first saw it, I thought it was pretty good. I, I liked it. Yeah. My, my only, my only complaint when I came out was I did not like the way that Han Solo died. And I, I'm with Harrison Ford. Like through the years, I think his his character arc just it, it ended once he went into carbonite. Like that was it. He and he was very adamant about wanting to make that the end of Han Solo. He died for his friends, so he dies the hero. And you brought him back, you unfroze him, and turned him into a wuss. Like, he just was not. He did not have the same edge as a character after he was frozen. But to die at the hands of Kylo Ren, his own son, and kind of in a way where it was like, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, thrust this lightsaber into you. And at the time, Kylo Ren was a very, he wasn't a likable character. For the longest time, it was just like, ah, he's just too much like Luke. He whines. He's like Anakin. He whines yeah. too much. That's so this is Han Solo's son. Son, you know, where's where's the rogue? Yeah. Where's where's the, you know, where's the guy that just kind of lived life on on his own terms? That's why I actually and, think the killing of Han Solo worked in that scenario because it gave him an edge that was otherwise not there. You you may be right. You may be right about that. But it just kind of was like, eh. That, I don't know if I like that. Everything else about the movie, I, I really like. I thought Kylo and came off as, like you said, a crybaby, like whiner, uh, not not much there. And then when he kills his dad, it's like, okay, this is an evil dude. Like, he's a formidable opponent at this point. Yeah, and still, even then, after that, they had. A, I think they struggled with developing him into that. 
because he kept trying to turn Ray, and then there was this love story, and it just it, it never resolved, and you had a chance to, to finally do something with it, and then you killed him when she should have been the one to make the ultimate sacrifice. But going back to that first that 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 first movie of the new trilogy, I was all, I was really liking it. Though somebody pointed out, they said, and I think it might have been our our I think it might have been Dave Garrett who said. Dude, it was it was just like a new hope. The only difference was is they had a, a planet that right. destroyed other planets instead of a Death Star that destroyed other planets. Yeah. It was the same story. Uh, and then yeah, I just absolutely. thought about it for a second and went, "Oh yeah, yeah, it was." But here I am, just so happy to have a new Star Wars story. To have happy to have the taste of that first trilogy out of my mouth. And, and I didn't mind Revenge of the Sith. I thought there was some cool stuff in it. Although, again, I don't think Samuel L. Jackson would have would have died at the hands of an old white dude. I mean, you know, Quentin Tarantino would have never <laughs> let that happen. Uh, it's really did Samuel L. Jackson a disservice. Not only did he not use MF one time in the entire trilogy, but then he dies at the hands of an old white dude. No, that's not right. I mean, he should have, he should have, when, when I saw that, I'm like, man, this dude somehow should have survived. Like, he should have survived, and we should have questions about why he never came back. Because he's Samuel L. Jackson, he's a badass. And, and really, honestly, the Emperor, the Emperor was the most cold-blooded dude in the entire trilogy. But he should not have had the right to kill Samuel L. Jackson. Something should have, they they should have figured out a way to do that. They, they should have figured out a way to 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 make him just be a guy that's out there. And we're like, God, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then he could have you know showed up in the Mandalorian or this new Boba Fett that they're going to do. Which I would say, of all the all the things Star Wars has done since the since the new trilogy, the Mandalorian was really good. And I thought Rogue One, I really liked Rogue One. I thought it was a very interesting story because it made you have some moral questions about the rebels. Like, it really brought to life that it's like, okay, there's this whole terrorism aspect of the rebels that you don't think about that kind of, you know, brought you into to our world, our real world. And I, I, that was genius. That was absolute genius to me. And I didn't mind Solo with Star Wars Story. I didn't mind that. I, I thought um, it, was, it was Donald Glover to play Lando Calrissian. I thought he did that character justice. I think it's very hard to yeah. do Han Solo justice if it's not Harrison Ford because he's so defined with that character. Agreed. It's like you can't redo Indiana Jones. Um, unfortunately, they don't have that James Bond thing where you know, those characters don't have that James Bond thing where you can see different people doing that character and giving their own spin on it. But I thought, of, what was her name? Amelia, the girl from uh, from Game of Thrones, Amelia, whatever her name is. I thought she was really good in that movie. Uh, she was great as the love interest. And I liked the fact that she kind of, she turned there at the end. There were some, those, the one-off, and the Mandalorian have been the best Star Wars things to come out since the original trilogy. And that, I don't know what that says about the franchise as a whole. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
You're right. It's really ahead, interesting ahead, because I, I was about to, I was literally about to bring up before you said it, uh, Rogue One, I thought was a tremendous movie. It's a standalone, but also, you know, it, it gives you uh, the story leading up to obviously, you like that, that final scene where Vader's just, you know, running through, killing everybody and, and trying to get the, yeah. like that is so great. And, and for, for it to kind of like go into that after it's kind of told the story of, of Rogue One, like I just thought that movie was fantastic, and everything you mentioned as well. That that they killed that movie. Uh, it was it was awesome. And then the same thing for Solo. You're exactly right. I liked the movie. I liked the story of it. Uh, Han was hard to really appreciate as Han Solo, but um, I think overall, like I walked away saying, okay, I, I liked that. It was good. Um, but yeah, you just, you just can't duplicate. You can't duplicate Han Solo. Uh, without having Harrison Ford play the character, you're you're exactly right. So, and I think this Boba, I think this new Boba Fett series is going to be really good. One, I really like Ming Na. There's like nothing that she's ever been in that I haven't liked. Like even like I watched ER just because she was in it. I thought, and she's tremendous. And I liked her character in The Mandalorian, and the fact that they're pairing that character up with Boba Fett has a chance to be really cool. It's like, oh, I'm intrigued. Like you got me, and what made the Mandalorian so great was essentially they just made a Western out of the Mandalorian. It was like, a, it was like an old spaghetti Western. I mean, it was like or old spaghetti Western. Go back and watch some of the, the old, the shows from like the fifties and the, and the sixties, like some of those old Western shows. And it had that element in it. And it just made it such a watchable, um, it, it made it such a watchable series that you wanted to see it every week. And then it has the heartwarming thing at the end where it's like, oh, he's got to say goodbye to the child, but he doesn't want to. He looks at it as his own, and there's something kind of cool there. And now you're thinking, there, there's a whole, they, they, they led you to a whole other story, and I'm hoping they follow up on that. I really am. Like, I can't get enough of that series. And, and Star Wars as a whole, I don't get it. How you can have these standalones in this one series where it's so well written, so well done, and then your 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 hallmarks, your trilogies, you just failed miserably at. You figured out a way to just to just screw all of them up past those first two. That that to me is I don't know if it says more about us as fans of what we grew to expect, or it says about Maybe the writers, Lucas being one, the directors, J.J. Abrams, you know, being another, that they just think that we'll accept anything. Or they're just, they just come to the conclusion that, ah, Star Wars fans will complain about everything. We're making the movie we want to make. And this is, <laughs> this is how it's going to be. People will still go to it. They may complain about it. But ultimately, we'll make money because the, the brand is so big and people, the brand is so big and so beloved that people have to go see it. I, I guarantee you now, a new Star Wars trilogy comes out or a new movie comes out. Yeah, when we can go back to the theaters, I'm the, I'm the first there. Popcorn, Coke. Yeah, let's, let's get it on, man. It's, it's Star Wars. It doesn't matter how yeah. bad it is. Right. Because you, cause I, I think with Star Wars, you only realize how bad it is maybe three or four days after you watch it. Because when you go to see it at the theater, you're on that Star Wars high. Then three or four days, you're like, oh, they yeah, done you're, that. you're just excited oh, to be they, there. I mean, they could, yeah, they could show you Han Solo taking a dump for two hours, and you're just gonna be like, yeah, we're watching <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, it was the most awesome. He went. You see the way he wiped his butt? That was <laughs> awesome. Oh wait, what did they just show us? <laughs> oh yeah, 
Yeah, it's one of those, so you're with, exactly with, right. I, like, after you digest it, then you're like, okay. It doesn't, which is uh, all led yeah. me to this. Which is all led me to this. Star Trek is actually better. And, and I never would have said that, like, when I was in college. But having taken a class on both of them, and I love, look, J.J. Abrams did amazing things for Star Trek. And I'm very disappointed that it doesn't look like there's any more of the new Star Trek movies coming out because he got the casting right. The stories were good. You paid homage to the people that came before without just trying to erase everything that the legacy that Star Trek was. I mean, like, he could not have gotten that, that those three movies more right if he had tried. Um the third one I probably didn't like as much as the first two, but they were all they were all still in the vein of that series. And it just tells me that either A, there is less, like you have less parameters with Star Trek as far as like, okay, we're going to go right, we're, we're going to do this. And Star Trek, at Star Wars, it feels like there's, there's more of a grip, like somebody's overseeing you and trying to steer you in everything that they think it should be instead of maybe letting you do your own movie. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Just coming to some hot opinions on all this. That's, that's an interesting take. I've, like, I've never had any... I've seen the, the Chris Pine Star Wars movies. Uh, I liked all of them. I, I thought they were well done. Um, I just... I, I, I don't know. I guess... I like never was a Star Wars fan before they came out, so there's not really any sort of like nostalgic appreciation there, other than like I thought they were well done. So that's probably the difference for me in the two, and why like I will get excited about Star Wars and Star Trek if like if an- if another one comes out, I'll see it. But there's not like a holy shit, there's a new Star Trek movie coming out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be especially I, Chris Pine as Kirk was awesome. Zachary Quinto as Spock. Zachary Quinto as Spock was get over, fantastic. Still cannot get over just how good he was as Spock. It's like, okay, Leonard Nimoy defined that. Okay, it's go back to Han Solo. It's like, man, somebody else is playing Spock. Okay, this, you know, this better be good. Not only was it good, but you're like, oh my God, you didn't, you made it your own, but you didn't exactly. You didn't divert from what the character was at all. Right. And Ur- Carl Urban is Dr. McCoy. I'm like, Dr. McCoy was just an old crotchety dude on the original series. And now it's like, I mean, Dr. McCoy's kind of a badass. He's cool, man. I mean, they, they did some really good stuff with that. And I'm hoping that whatever happens in Star Wars, you get that. You get that kind of freedom again. I mean, they really need to go back and just rip apart these last three movies, figure out what they did right, what worked, what went wrong. I mean, you can't exactly let the fans control everything or, you know, eventually you're just going to make a, a nerd movie that's way too detailed and boring. But in some respects, there's something there. You know, people want to see TIE Fighters, they want to see X-Wings, they want to see lightsabers. You, you have some of those elements, but ultimately what they want is really go- a really good story being told and the characters being well-defined with a few exits here and there. And, and, and people can do it, it's just a matter of doing it and not doing it with the intention of just trying to sell action figures. Try to write a good movie this time. Yeah. I, I just found a Star Wars movies ranked 
uh, website has uh, Empire Strikes Back number one, New Hope number two, The Last Jedi, which was the, is that the second of the new trilogy, I believe? Uh, yes. Okay, so they have that third, Return of the Jedi fourth. Uh, let's see, they have, uh, oh, they have Clone Wars, which I've, I've not ever seen Clone Wars. They have Clone Wars uh, five, so I guess they're including... All of it. Oh, that's the that's the cartoon. Yeah, that's the, the cartoon. Which is yeah. actually, it's not bad. It's a good bridge. Okay. Between Attack of the, it's, it's actually what it is. It's a bridge between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And it tells you the story of how um, Emperor Palpatine got kidnapped. Okay. So then they have Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith, sixth, The Force Awakens, seventh. Attack of the Clones 8, Rogue One 9, which I think is massively underrated there. Uh, the Clone Wars, uh, another Clone Wars, I guess, uh, 10th. Star Wars Story, Solo, oh, Solo, Star Wars Story, sorry, I missed that part. Uh, 12 is Phantom Menace. And let's see, 13, Rise of Skywalker. Wow. I didn't realize there have been 13, Star- <laughs> 13 yeah. Star Wars movies made. Yeah. Well, I guess if you throw in the two the two cartoons, which I wasn't even thinking about. So, yeah, that makes sense. That is, un- that is unbelievable. How many, uh, how many hours of our lives have been spent watching Star Wars? <laughs> it's probably... I mean, how many times have you watched the original trilogy? Oh, my gosh. Um, Seems like I... It seems like from the time it became three, so that would have been when I was like in fifth grade, like once a year, like once a year, like almost right up until I was 35. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, like I, I would figure out a way to watch it once, once a year. And like in college, I just remember it would be a thing over the summer with living in the fraternity house where nothing's going on. Somebody always had the VCR and all three tapes. So we'd watch, but we just watch them in consecutive nights. Right. So it, it would happen at least, you know, over three nights in the summer, which, you know, doesn't seem like too much of your life. But it's like, what, what else could I have been doing? Yeah, for those three nights, especially in college, I always had like you know when you like get like maybe a minor version of the flu or you get like a a bad head cold and you're just stuck in bed all day. Like uh, I've had probably five to ten, you know, situations where I've gone through and like consecutively watched the original trilogy like all in one sitting. So. Oh man, <laughs> that's pretty. That, 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 that's that's a that's a good way to that's a good way to spend a sick day. Yeah, I mean, if you're stuck in bed anyway, it. just you know, throw in the trilogy. If you fall asleep for thirty minutes or an hour at some point, like you know, you've seen it before, so it's not a big deal, and you just keep trucking through them all. Yeah, I haven't done that in a long time, though. It's probably been multiple years since I've been able to do that. So, 
Actually, you know, now that I say that, it's pro- it was probably pre-children the last time that I did that, so. I don't, I don't think so, I've, I've had nine okay. hours to myself uh, in, in a very long time, so. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't so, spend it watching a trilogy that I've seen that many times. Yeah, I was, I was going to say right now, I mean, on, on a sick day, doesn't it pretty much go to ESPN Plus and 30 for 30? Isn't that pretty much where, we're, where we hid now to, or Netflix? It's like, oh, I've never seen right. this because there's so, there's just, there is an endless amount of content right at our fingertips right now. And it just feels like, man, yeah, I could watch Star Wars again. Like, especially because TNT shows it a few times a year. You know, they'll run the first six, you know, they'll run maybe the first eight of the of, of the full-length movies or, or the first, you know, they'll run the trilogies. They'll get close to running them all, all three of the trilogies. And it's like, yeah, I could do that. Or, you know, there's some, there's a new documentary on Netflix that I, I, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch this thing about the Isabella Gardner Museum and, and the paintings. That that's oh, sold, that was awesome, which, by, by the, the way, way. Yeah. Did you, you like that? I, I, God, it was very detailed. Very detailed. And it was, well, I kind of a frustrating ending. It was like, I was really hoping, like, I had no idea what happened. Like, this is not a story I knew. And didn't want to look it up online because I didn't want to be disappointed by what I found out online. But I was like, I was really hoping at the end, it's like, yeah, we found the paintings. They were buried here. Somebody right, came right. forward with it. They're not, they're never getting those paintings back. Um, well, let me give you a backstory real quick. So like a year ago, maybe, um, there was a podcast series called Last Scene. And the podcast series was, you know, episodes telling the story of the Isabella Gardner Museum and the heist and like the focus on different people that may have done it. So I listened to that entire podcast series and I was completely fascinated by it. So when Netflix released this, I already knew most of the information uh, via that podcast. So I, I already like knew the story, knew what had happened, but it was cool to see the visual part of it, I guess, for me. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm to check out that podcast. Did they have, now did the podcast have, did they have any, anybody that the documentary didn't have as far as they thought, well, maybe these people are connected or maybe this is where they thought, thought that the paintings ended up? Yeah, it was it was slightly different, but I mean, it's been too long ago that I don't remember. I don't remember exactly everything that that they went through, but there there were there were differences for sure. Cool. I, but I, but, I the, but the, the meat out. of the story is pretty much the same. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that. I'm gonna have to yeah. check that out. I think that that one guy, uh, the guy that was just let out of jail not too long ago, he knows something. That guy knows something, and if he doesn't, you don't want to cross him for not knowing anything. That is a bad dude, <laughs> and not yeah. bad as in good, right. not bad as in cool, not bad as in Samuel L. Jackson. That guy is just—he's ruthless. Absolutely. If, if what's if about him? If the story about that guy shooting someone in his and shooting a, another man in his own backyard. If that is true, yeah, I, I'm not messing around with that guy. Yeah, I want nothing to do with that guy. Yeah, but yeah. that was a that was a good one. Um, the Spycraft one has been pretty good. Uh, the one on the Night Stalker, 
my son got me into that one. Excellent. But I mean, but, but that's just the difference now. It's like, why go back and watch something you've seen a thousand times when you can, when you can open up into new, when you, when you can open up into new stuff. And again, with, with Amazon, with Netflix, with, um, Hulu, there's just so, there's so much there. There, there really is. And there are other stop down movies that just move faster than star Wars right now. Deadpool. Anytime Deadpool or Deadpool pull two is on, I'll stop down on that before I'll stop, before I'll stop down on star Wars anymore. Just because I know it's going to move quick, and Ryan Reynolds hits it out of the park in that movie. Even yeah. even if he doesn't yeah. quite have the range of somebody like a um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and tremendous range as an actor, God rest his soul. Even if he doesn't quite have that, he still make he's still a likable enough guy. When you see him in that role or replicating that role in another film, you're like, ah, eh, I'll watch it. He's kind of like Vince Vaughn that way. You know, you know what you're getting. Yeah. But it's, but it's like, it, it, it's, it's worth, it's worth watching. I mean, like you're never going to call either one of those guys great actors, but what they're so good at what they do in that particular thing. It's like, yeah, I'll watch it. Whereas Kevin Costner is not good at the one thing he can do. And it's like, Ooh, yeah, he better have some good actors around him or this film is going to suck. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> what's uh, what's on your mind as far as the sports world goes? Well, obviously the draft. Um, let's face it, and Bill, you can't trust anymore. Um, when, you go and, when you go and take Mac Jones at 15, and you had an opportunity to get Zayvon Collins at 15 and not let him flip, to the Cardinals, David Collins is going to be a guy that plays in the NFL for a long time. And he is, he is a day one starter. He's a guy that you can just throw on the edge, let him go rush. He's big enough to play inside linebacker. You can bring him along to play other positions as he grows in the NFL. And he's one of those guys that 10 years from now, we're going to look and go, wow, he's been in the league that long. Not not saying he's a Hall of Famer. Don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer player type player, but I think he'll be a pro bowler, a consistent pro bowler. And he'll be a guy that makes plays. And ultimately, him and J.J. Watt in the same defense is going to tremendously help out Kyler Murray because that was their, that's been their biggest problem the last couple of years is lack of defense. So Cardinals got instantly better. You go out and you get a guy like Matt Jones, who wasn't good enough to start for, for three years in Alabama. Get this shot has all this tremendous talent around him. And the talent in Alabama was probably better than what you have in New England. How long is it going to take you to build a team offensively to make him look as good as he did at Alabama? And I don't know that, that Belichick can do that. Because if you look at his last three drafts, the best guy that he took was a second-round safety out of Lenore Ryan, Kyle Duggar, or Duggar, whatever his name is. I think it's Duggar. That's been, that's been his best draft pick. So, as a Patriots fan, I, I don't know how you can trust that. I thought the Cowboys were solid in their draft. The Bears looked like the smartest team in the draft. Only because they were still able to get Tevin Jenkins in the second round. Moving up to get Justin Fields is going to be a move that comes back to haunt them because, let's face it, they're the Bears and they always miss on quarterbacks not named Jim McMahon. 
But <laughs> getting Tevin Jenkins, again, it's a solid pick that will stay with you. Probably the biggest stretch in the first round. Um, how was it? Who was it? Who took the guard? Was it the Chargers? The Jets. Who took the guard with their first? The Jets. They, tra- okay. they traded up to take Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, and look, he may be a good player. I like him a but lot. But just yeah. rule of rule of thumb, your interior offensive linemen, you can usually get those a little a little bit later. That's a lot right. to take a guard. If you're going to take an offensive lineman in the first in the first round, make sure it is a left or right tackle, depending on which side of the ball is the blind side for your multi million dollar quarterback. Um. I'd say right now the team that won. If you ask me who actually won the draft, I would say Kansas City. I'd say Kansas City because not only did you get Creed Humphrey, who's going to who's going to solidify that line, but mainly because you used that first round pick to get a proven commodity in Orlando Brown. Yeah, you're in it. To, you're in it to win it now. And after what happened in the Super Bowl, you know there's just not there's not a whole lot that you need to go out and change. So you're shoring up the one area of the field that you feel like your weakest in. They won the draft, and it's going to pay each, you know big dividends for them. Other than that, I don't I, I can't give Atlanta too much credit because Kyle Pitts just fell into their lap. San Francisco could have taken him. The Jets could have taken him. He was the number two guy in the draft, and both of them whipped on quarterback. And he fell into their lap. Like does somebody, it's like, I'm gonna, do we give Sam Presti credit for drafting Kevin Durant? Because had Durant <laughs> not been there, he probably would have taken Odom. Right? I mean, yeah. is that? I mean, does the GM deserve credit? When he makes the obvious call, when 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 somebody screws up, how, how do we how do we look at that? Well, I, I'll tell you this. <laughs> yeah, because I talked to um, I talked to a guy I know that covers the Falcons, and he told me that if Justin Fields were to be available at four, and that there was a very likely you know situation where he was, and ultimately he was, he's a Georgia guy. You know, Matt Ryan is certainly on the downhill slide of of his career that they absolutely were fascinated with Justin Fields and that there were conversations in the offices about whether they would take Kyle Pitts or Justin Fields. So I guess you give I guess you so, give them credit for, yeah. for taking the better player. Yeah. No, that, that yeah, we'll we'll give them credit for taking the better player. Um trying to think of other picks. I, 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 the Ravens taking Tylen Wallace, um, they've already got a pretty good receiving crew, and he just he just adds to that. I, I believe that he's a day one guy. Ramondre Stevens is a guy that you know the Patriots show they don't they don't really since Corey Dillon they haven't had a really good running back. But Ramondre Stevens is a guy I'm thinking third down situations goal line. Yeah. I don't see him as an every down back, but he's pretty much the caliber of running back they've had. He's a perfect since Corey fit. Dillon was yeah. no longer, yeah, since Corey Dillon was no longer with the club. I mean, they've never just had, Corey Dillon was the last stud running back that they have had. So he, he fits the mold really well. Um, Ronnie Perkins and the Patriots, again, it didn't so much matter where Ronnie Perkins got drafted, 
again, he's a guy that can come in and start in day one because he's, he's as Coach Jones likes to say, a go sick him guy. We'll put you on the outside. You're fast. Go get somebody. Yeah. And wherever he drafted, you were, you were putting him in day one. But um, think of all the Oklahoma players that were drafted between the three schools. Zayvon Collins is going to have a good, long NFL career. So will Creed Humphrey. So will Tevin Jenkins. I think all three of those guys will be very successful in the NFL and, and will stick for a while. I think everybody else, Tylen, Tylen Wallace, I would say, would probably be fourth in that group. But I think everybody else is is kind of it's kind of a crapshoot to, to to see how to see how they do. I'm not a, I'm not as sold on Shuba Hubbard as everybody else is after last year. I it's, some, last year was a red flag for sure. There's some big time reservations about whether or not he can handle the grind of, of, of the NFL. That Matt. Good for Matt Rule that, that he took him, but I, I don't know that Matt Rule is going to be pleased with that pick three years from now. But at least you didn't draft him in the at least you didn't draft him in the in the first couple of rounds. So if he doesn't work out, you don't feel that bad, and you feel that running backs are are kind of a dime a dozen. I just think um, you have to but, know how to use what? him, right? Like he's not a he's not a make you miss guy. He's not somebody you just give the ball to and say go make a play. Um, you know, he doesn't have that that open field move ability. He's a one cut, turn on the jets and go type of guy. And if you understand what he is and you can use him that way, then then you can have success. But if you're just going to think, "Hey, we're just going to give him the ball and hopefully he'll make plays and make people miss." That's not what he does at all, and that would be a massive misuse of that draft pick and, and of his ability. So he's a home run hitter. He's a one-cut, find-the-lane-and-go guy, and if they use him that way, then I think they'll, they'll really like the pick. The The main question I wanted to ask yeah, you today... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, by the way, I just want to compliment you. I thought you were really on point with Mike Steely the, the other day when, when you were talking about the draft. That is That was some really good work. On your part, uh, you broke it down. You made it easy to digest. You knew exactly what you were talking about, <laughs> and you had some really strong opinions on it. No, it, it was a great listen. It really was very good. And not that you're ever a, a bad listen, but it's just one of those things. When I hear you on the air doing analysis, as my computer uh, continues to do some weird things, you continue to impress me. With analysis, you were very, very good at that part of your job. So if nobody else is telling you that, oh, thank you. Let me t- let me tell you that. No, you're really good at that. That is like a part of my game that I have never quite had that that you do very well. So you, Colby, you deserve a lot of credit for that. That was <laughs> that was a I great that. breakdown. I tremendous, tremendous radio. It's like, oh wow, man, I don't want to leave I don't leave the car and go sit up for the remote. This is really good. I'm taking notes. Nice. To regurgitate nice. All this That's today. awesome. <laughs> uh, look, I enjoy doing it. I and and I'm obviously I'm a massive college football fan and I'm a massive NFL fan. And I, I, I don't know how many people like are really into both. So the NFL draft is kind of like the two worlds meeting. So I I like I really enjoy it. So it's uh you know I think a lot of people are either way more college or way more NFL. And if you like both as much as I do, then the NFL draft is kind of that, that meeting point. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Well, you found something 
And what look for whatever my my advice is worth, because you know I love to fancy myself as a program director. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you, you know, you know I love to fan, fancy myself as somebody that that, that could that could run a radio station someday. Um, you found a sweet spot, and if I can give you any piece of advice, again, take my advice for what it's worth. Um, again, look at my career arc. Take my advice for what it's worth. Mind that, man, because you're really, really, there's just, there's a passion there. You do the homework and you're able to put it in a way that, that it doesn't feel like you're talking over people's head or you're being homerish about it. Um, it's, it's something worth exploring. Like if you did a draft podcast or, you know, specifically if that's what you did or you yeah. did some sort of publication, I, I would be all in. But I also think you can get people to go, to go along with you on that because you're, you're credible, it's good, and you feel like it's, it's one of those things. You tell us stuff we don't know, and we feel like we get something out of it. So, again, major praise to you for, for all your work on that. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, you, are, you are quite welcome. All right, give me your take on this because this is where I think your strong suit is, and I, I was really curious to hear your take because you mentioned the Patriots taking Ronnie Perkins. They also landed Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I saw a lot of upset Sooner fans over the weekend about, was it the Boston Herald, I believe, that put out the article about these guys, you know, having a troubled past and and having the suspension. And I saw a lot of Sooner fans upset about the fact that there was no mention of Mac Jones having a DUI. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how you felt like that thing was handled. Did you feel like those guys were thrown under the bus? Did you feel like they were judged incorrectly like what was your takeaway from that no i didn't feel like they were judged incorrectly now should they mention the issues that matt jones have yes and i will tell you um because i am such a i i like listening to weei and the sports hub they're both very good radio stations at least weei when i was listening i'm pretty sure the sports hub did it they mentioned matt jones Past that that DUI what was brought up, and the opinions on Mac Jones have have been varied. Um, the guys that know their football and the guys that talk have major questions about him being able to be successful in the NFL, and think his his past could be something that 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 is a red flag. Guys don't know it as well. We're way too homerish and Bill we trust. But no, Ronnie Perkins. Look, the whole idea of marijuana is this. Let's talk about this for a second. The stigma with marijuana is gone, but still the NCAA tests for it. And we can all agree or disagree about whether or not the NCAA should test for it. Personally, they shouldn't. The NFL shouldn't. No one should. In fact, it should just be legalized. It should be a recreational drug. If people want to smoke it, that's fine. I'd much rather deal with potheads than alcoholics. Um, trust me, I've never met a mean pothead. I have met some very nasty, mean, want to fight you alcoholics, but, but it's still a rule. And Ronnie Perkins went out and deliberately broke a rule. And for that, you're bringing him into an organization, which one has had no problem bringing in bad character guys. You know, be real honest. The Patriots don't have the most sterling reputation of doing this here. But you're right to question whether or not a guy's troubled past is going to follow him 
through through the through the NFL, and if he's going to be somebody that you just wasted a pick on because he can't keep himself on the field because he's either breaking NFL rules or he's breaking the law. And I'm not saying that Ronnie Perkins is going to, but if he does. Then yeah, you're if you're not questioning that a, a, as a member of the media, you're not doing your job, and especially after everything that. And again, Aaron Hernandez is the most extreme. He's the most extreme example of this. But especially with everything that went along with Aaron Hernandez, your track record on judging guys' characters and character and whether or not they can stay straight isn't good. So it's not just an indictment on Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson. It's an indictment on Bill Belichick and whether Belichick, who is supposedly, you know, Mr. Football, whatever, the Patriot way, you're supposed to act a certain way, do a certain thing, you know, not talk to the media, whatever. Yeah, there's there's enough question marks around here whenever he brings any guy in that, that, that has had trouble in the past. It's 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 pause for cause, and if and if the Herald and the Globe were not questioning Matt Jones, my God, they should be, and, and at least the radio, at least the at least one radio station was doing it. I didn't get to hear the hub as much as I I wanted to that day, but it, it wasn't all Boston media to be completely fair on this. But yeah, you know, I, I would hope for Ronnie Perkins' sake after having to sit out that suspension last year, the same with Ramondre Stevenson, I would hope them, you know, sitting out opens up their eyes and makes them realize that, that they damn near blew a golden opportunity. And, and not only have you been gifted a chance to go play with an organization that has one more Super Bowls than anybody else, but you've got your third chance here. So just let Let's not be stupid with this chance. Let's, let's do what we're supposed to do and stay on the field. And you're going to find out. I mean, we'll find out pretty quick how bad these guys want to be on the field. But everybody, the other thing is you got to remember the draft. Everybody's a risk. Either, you know, work ethic. <laughs> right, right. Um, other character issues. Um, talent. I mean, everybody's a risk. So. I don't. I really don't have a problem with the Boston media question. I mean, you should. You absolutely. I mean, we would question. I mean, if Sam Presti drafts somebody out of Duke who may have gotten in trouble for domestic violence or may have gotten in trouble with drugs, and Sam Presti drafts him, are we not going to do the same thing that the Boston media did? We should. Yeah. We should be all over it, wondering what the hell happened to the Thunderway. You know, what happened, what happened to intrinsic values? Why are you bringing this guy into the city? I mean, that just, we have a job to do. And quite frankly, speaking of our jobs, coaches, GMs, athletic directors should all, all get a little queasy when we come around. And if they're not, then we've made our, then we have made ourselves to a point where we can easily be taken advantage of. And I do worry that that we have done that in, in media as a whole over the last over the last few years. We're not, you know, as as that one network says, we're not all fair and balanced. I'm just as guilty of it as anyone else. You get you get close to someone, you want inside information, you hear things that maybe you should report or you should talk about, but you don't because the whole idea is that you're going to get a payoff 
coming a little bit further down the line. And I get that you've got to build those relationships, but I'm not sure that that is the ultimately the, the best way to do business. So, yeah, that's that's my that's my ten dollars worth on, on that situation. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a really fascinating topic, and I probably am am in a different camp on this than most people because I look at this for what it is in regards to the NFL draft and telling a story. And the bottom line is Mac Jones DUI happened four years ago when he wasn't playing football. I mean, you know, he was a freshman, but he wasn't anywhere near the football field, right? Like he was like four people behind the starting quarterback at that point from getting on the football field. Whereas with Ronnie Perkins, it literally happened last football season. Like I would venture to say if Ronnie Perkins had played an entire football season, he's drafted significantly higher than 96 to the Patriots. And look, I'm a big fan of Ronnie Perkins' game. I thought there was no way he was going to get out of the second round because I felt like if you just watch the tape, I know he only played seven games, but if you just watch the tape, you're going to see this guy just jump out at you, just make splash plays. And obviously he was massively responsible for the massive jump in Oklahoma's defense. So, I felt like people were going to be able to get over that. And I, I, I would be, I, I think it's crazy to think that that didn't play any role in his drop. I think it played some role. And that's why I think it's probably worth noting because I, if you're the Patriots, I don't think you get him at 96 if he played an entire season. So I think it becomes newsworthy yeah. in the draft versus the Mac Jones DUI happened four years ago and it didn't impact his football season. It didn't impact anything that we watched as far as the evaluation of him playing football at Alabama and getting ready for the draft. He was, he was still taken in the first round. Like it literally had no impact. Whereas I think the Ronnie Perkins thing had an impact on him falling to 96. And so I, I just think it's apples to oranges. I don't even think it's the, the same conversation to be honest with you. Well, the other thing that may have happened in that is that as you do your due diligence and you start talking to college coaches, high school coaches, um, people that that know these guys. If you, with Mac Jones, found out, I mean, if you did a deep dive the way you should on anyone you're bringing into your organization, if you did a deep dive on him, and the word came back was, that was just one screw up, but ever since then, he's in class on time, he's always worked, he's first in, he's the last out, he really committed to his game, he knows he screwed up, but you can trust this guy because he, he realizes that that was a mistake and we haven't had any problems with him since then. Or, hey, prior to that, he was, ne- was never an issue. Don't know what happened that night. You talked to him. You were satisfied with his answers. You may have just gone, okay, we, we can trust bringing him in. Everything's fine. Yeah. You don't know what was said. Well, and what we don't know was what was said about Ronnie, Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson after that. We don't know what OU coaches said. We don't know what scouts said. We don't know what their you know teammates or whoever the any any NFL teams questions said about any said about any of these guys. And what was said may have scared off other teams. I yeah. mean that 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 legitimately could could happen. People may have said stuff, and other teams may say, "Yeah, it's a little bit too much for us to, to to hop on." And specifically with the Pagers, remember going back to Aaron Hernandez, he fell to them. 
because there were major questions about him in the NFL draft. And the Patriots had a, everybody had a first round grade on him. And he just kept falling. Right. And Bill, in his mad genius way, went, look, if everybody else is going to pass on this guy, I'm going to go ahead and take him just to see what happens because we're, we're, we're getting him late. Kind of feels like maybe the same thing happened with Ronnie Perkins. And, and because of it's that, it's very possible. Yeah. That, that, that makes you tap the brakes and think, well, wait a second. You did this once before. And a guy not only committed murder, but is now dead. Not saying that Ronnie Perkins is going to end up like he's going to do anything like that, but that is one of those things that as it happens, you're like, okay, Bill, <laughs> hasn't been your strong suit. Yeah. So do you really want to play with this at? You really want to play with this fire again? And that's, that's why, that's why you're going to hear all this. Right. And for, for, for Ronnie Perkins, get on the field, show what you can do. And probably the best thing you can do if you're the Patriots, and this is where, this is where I got, I kind of, kind of wonder how big a priority is for the Patriots. Do the Patriots invest in, in somebody to watch him? Look at him and look, you're going to have people watch you throughout throughout the draft process. Well, at least you could. Maybe not so much in COVID. Um, you couldn't have guys just show up in College Town randomly and follow dudes around the way they've been known to in the past. But do the Patriots have somebody that, that, that sticks on him like glue? Or do the Patriots just say, all right, we drafted him low enough, he's on his own, and if he screws up, We'll just shank, we'll just shank the rug the rug out from under him. Yeah. So he's got a shot. He's, he's got a he's got a locker and a jersey and a helmet. But we're not we're not going to hold his hand. I, I and I think he's drafted low enough where he may not be that kind of priority. He he just he may be a guy that's on his own and having to prove every day that he can handle whatever's out there. Yeah. And look, I, I don't think I, I I don't know Ronnie Perkins. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy, but I would just say this. Like the 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 offense that happened to me doesn't make him a bad guy. Like if, if somebody wants to no. think that that is something that makes you a bad person, then, you know, that's your right. I don't agree with that. I, I you know, he, he did something that, you know, is legal in a lot of states and it's against the rules, you know, in the NCAA and he got in trouble for it and he served his time and all that like. I don't think that makes him a bad person. But once again, you know, there are people out there that, you know, hear something like that about somebody and automatically assume that makes you a bad person. So once again, back to the the whole original part of this conversation, I think it's worthy of bringing up only in the sense that, you know, that that could be a big reason why you got him at 96 is because people thought, you know what? Maybe there's some risk there. I don't want to take that risk in the second round. Maybe I don't want to take that risk in the third round. Like that's what the NFL draft is, right? It's a talent versus risk analysis. And anytime you get a guy that they feel like the talent outweighs the risk, that's when they pull the trigger. So, um, yeah, I think it's an interest. I think new England is a great landing spot for the guy. I I think he is a talented football player that is going to have success in the NFL. But, um, you're, you're right. It, It doesn't, it doesn't make you a bad person. Now, again, just because you're not a bad person and you don't agree with something doesn't mean you don't have to follow the rules. And that, right. that's what gets you in trouble is, is your silent protest or thinking you're not going to get caught. And maybe that's the thing that 
that I have a biggest problem with is like, okay, you were smart enough to know a test is coming. Why? Why did you? Why did you do it? It's not that you did it. It's that you couldn't cover it up well enough, knowing the situation. Yeah. yeah. I've. I, I, hey, a lot yeah, of people share like, that opinion for sure. Or it's like, dude, if you want to smoke out, just wait till the test is over. Take the test first. Can you go? Can you at least go a few days? And then go back. I mean, as far as I know, marijuana is not addictive. You can go a few days without getting high. Take the test and then, hey, celebrate. Hey, I took the test. I know I'm going to pass. I haven't smoked in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. And then, then smoke up and enjoy it all you want until the next test comes around. That's, God, that's the part that's annoying. <laughs> that's the part that is so annoying about all that. Yeah. But look, I, I, I think they got a bargain uh, with uh, with Ronnie Perkins. And we already talked about Ramondre. I think he's the perfect f- fit for New England. So we'll see how it turns out. They uh, they need to they need to win soon for Bill's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, the man may have a heart attack trying to trying to chase Tom Brady, who's about to get Julian Edelman down. It's going to be a Patriots reunion between. Edelman, Brady, and, and Gronk. My God! Here, here in the here in the next few weeks, <laughs> Brady's living his England. best life in Florida, right? Like he's in Florida, he's like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to say whatever the hell I feel like saying. I'm good. Stress is less. Weather's better. Oh, I've got the old band back together. We're winning at a high rate. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not, there is nothing right. He may be. A one person who can say it doesn't get any better than this. Right. He he may be able to. He may be the one person in America who can actually who can actually say that based on how he's. I'm married to a supermodel. I'm winning football games, and hey, it doesn't get any better than this because now I got my two best friends coming 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 to hang out with me as well i love that he literally said julian's just scared to tell bill that he wants to come to tampa bay and he says i know how that feels yeah which again when you are when you have helped that organization win to the level that they have you should have a good enough relationship with the with the coach to be able to talk openly you're not going to agree on everything, but you. Sh- but they should at least respect you enough to hear you out before a de- before a decision is made. And that's that's probably the biggest issue with Bill Belichick is you can't be a totalian. You cannot be a totalian a totalian ruler ruler whatever I'm saying, um, and and work in the NFL. I mean, it's amazing that he, that he was able to do that for as long as he did. And that I guess Tom Brady just thought, Hey, this is probably going to be the best, you know, the, the best, best it'll ever be. And then realize, <laughs> well, I can go somewhere else and do this, yeah. but I, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you do it in the NFL as long, as long as he did that. That's something kind of amazing. You have to have a young roster in, in order to be that successful. Let's get out of here on this note. Um, had you ever heard of, before the last, like, whatever, 48 hours or so, had you ever heard the name Jake Kumaro? No. I never heard that name before. <laughs> 
I am a big football yeah. fan, and look, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be a Packers fan. I don't know every player on their roster, but I feel like I, I know a lot of players in the NFL. I had never heard that guy's name in my entire life before 48 hours ago, and now you find out that was the domino that potentially fractured the most one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've ever seen play the position and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I'm not buying that. I, I am so not buying that. I what, what what fractured the relationship was them drafting Jordan Love last year. Let's not, you know, look, Aaron Rodgers may have liked this guy. They may have been boys. There may have been some reason as to why Aaron Rodgers thought he should be remain he should remain with the Packers. But I'm not buying that for one second. I think when they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers went, Oh, you're doing to me what you did to Brett Favre with me. So I see how this works. And like Brett, I'm getting the hell out of here. Because you, you, you screwed this up. You don't know how to treat a Super Bowl winning veteran quarterback around here. So, yeah, and I would say to Aaron Rodgers, when all that went down, you should have been watching your back from the beginning. They told you how they were going to operate. And just because certain people were gone and and maybe you've got front office changes or coaching changes, whatever, there's a philosophy that, that that's embedded there. So, hey, congratulations. Well, welcome to Green Bay. And mu- and much like Brett Favre, you're you're on your way out like him because they told you you were replaceable. Yeah, they told you that the G is bigger than you. So good luck. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Kumaro was the reason. That Aaron Rodgers is is wanting to leave the Packers. By the way, Jake Kumaro has been in the NFL for three seasons. His career statistics: twenty one catches, three hundred forty four yards, and three touchdowns. By the way, Pro Football Reference uh, lists that uh, Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa are his cousins. So uh, there you go. Fun fact for the day. <laughs> but yeah, look the I, I, the. the the quarterback draft pick obviously played a role here, but I think to kind of punctuate that storyline, we watched Tom Brady go to Tampa. Tom Brady's obviously at this stage of his career not near the MVP caliber level that he once was. Aaron Rodgers just won an MVP. But I think the the death nail, honestly, was watching the Patriot or watching the the Buccaneers bring in Tom Brady and understand that they have this tiny window to try and win now and go all in, push all their chips to the middle of the table to win Super Bowls as long as they have Tom Brady on the ta- you know, on the sideline. And I think Aaron Rodgers expects the Packers to do the same, to try and win as many Super Bowls as they possibly can with him at quarterback. And instead, the, I'm not going to act like they haven't done anything to help Aaron Rodgers because that's ridiculous. But they have they obviously haven't gone all in. When you're drafting quarterbacks in the first round, you're not dedicating all of your resources to winning a championship now when you have that opportunity. So I think that plays a big role here, and I don't hear as many people talking about that. No, and it's it's probably because we look at Tom Brady and we think, yeah, the Patriots didn't put anything around him, but he was willing to stick it out and he made those guys better. Why can't Aaron Rodgers do that until something opens up? Um, I, I don't get. I don't get the criticism for Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and 
Aaron Rodgers is just doing what anybody in his position would do. And he's saying the things that Russell Wilson is saying. I want more say in what is in the people you're put around me. If, if I'm going to be the driving force, then I need to at least know who you're bringing in that I can trust or they're, they're people that are going to help us get to where we want to go. And the Packers aren't, the Packers aren't showing him that. The Patriots, not sure they really ever showed it to Tom Brady. And the Seahawks aren't showing it to Russell Wilson. So there you've got three disgruntled quarterbacks, and Tom Brady was able to make it work. And like the NBA, it's the LeBron effect in the NBA. If I am the main reason you're winning, and I can force your hand or I can force my way out to go someplace where I can be more successful, then I'm going to do it. This is just what sports is now. We always say sports is a business. Well, players have learned and learned very well that yeah. it doesn't have to be a one-way street. And that's a good thing. Again, it's a position we would all love to be in to be able to tell someone, hey, I am one of the re- I am helping you make a lot of money. Treat me. Treat me like treat me in, in a respectful manner. Treat me in a way that's going to help you continue to be successful. And when you don't do that, all right, I'll, I'll go find someplace else. And then as we find out, when you leave that person, there's usually a something very vindictive about all that. I mean, once, once money gets involved, people get take start. People say it's just a business, but when you want to leave, it becomes about loyalty. It becomes about you know personal vendetta. You weren't dedicated enough, and you're the reason that we're be. You know, we're we're not as successful or whatever. You need to look in the mirror when the truth of the matter is, is you only control so much. And when you have a very limited window to control your future, we all should take advantage of that. No doubt. Eric, I know you got to run. Always appreciate you, my friend. Always enjoy our conversations every Tuesday, and we will catch up again next week. Thank you very much, Colby. That is Eric G. with the Tulsa Sports Animal joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. Whether you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for and they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So any questions you have about these products or their health benefits, don't hesitate to call Artisan Botanicals. They, they want to give you the answers. They want to help you find a path to better health. 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you place your order online. Abotanicalcompany.com. That is abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off. Once again, abotanicalcompany.com is the website. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe, and I will be back tomorrow. Podcast is over.